solo mente. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, everybody, to a Monday edition of the Locked On Texans podcast. I am one half of your host, John Some Sports Guy Hickman, and thank you for making the Locked On Texans your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Aside of me, unfortunately, we're not doing YouTube today, but we still got the podcast. I am joined by my favorite host, Cody Davis. Welcome into the show. Get a folks a rundown on this horrendous Victory Monday. I wouldn't even say horrendous Monday because at the end of the day, this game wasn't as bad as I was expecting, um, especially from the former Houston Texans and J.J. Watt and DeAndre Hopkins. As a matter of fact, I think DeAndre Hopkins might have held back some just a little bit. But of course, on this losing Monday of Locked On Texans, we're going to discuss the Texans 31 to 5 defeat coming at the hands of the Arizona Cardinals and First, of course, we're going to just do a quick recap. In the second segment, we're going to talk about the good and the bad of this Houston Texans defense. And then we're going to close out this latest installment of Locked On Texans just looking at the offense. Ladies and gentlemen, let's jump right into it. Let's just start talking about the recap. And look, this was a game where... (laughs) We all thought that it might have been a little bit worse than what happened and what took place out there on the field. The Houston Texans recorded a total, a total of 160 yards on 12 total drives. Everything about the Houston Texans offense was terrible. They recorded 118 yards in passing, 42 came in the run game on the opposite side the arizona cardinals dominated with their offense recording 397 yards recording 172 on the ground and 225 in the air john listeners as i mentioned once before this was a terrible game but it wasn't as bad as what i was expecting and by the way the houston texans did make a little bit of history on yesterday because they was the first team to lose 31 to 5 in NFL history. <laughs> yeah, the uh the Texans they had a rough day, you know. Only six passing first downs. Uh and the Houston Texans came into this game the seventh best third down team in the league. Well, on Sunday they went 2 for 13. They were unable to keep drives going, and I think that's ultimately why you saw the defense give up 31 points, which would be their second 31 point game in the last two weeks Cody and viewers they were just unable to keep drives going and score which is funny because at one point the Houston Texans were leading in time of possession they also allowed two sacks when we look at what they did offensively defensively they are also able to get four sacks for a loss of 36 yards that front four really came to play I can't wait to talk about them but the issue for Houston what I saw 172 rushing yards allowed that can't happen. Another issue for Houston, which has been an issue the entirety of the season, another head scratcher as to why Houston did not play Scotty Phillips or, you know, anybody else outside of Scotty Phillips, I'm sorry, outside of Philip Lindsay and David Johnson, Houston only rushed for 42 yards. This is the third game this year where they've rushed for 50 or less yards. That can't happen. 
for 2.8 yards per carry while allowing 4.6 yards per carry. Also, as great of a job the front seven, front four did for Houston defensively, they allowed the Arizona Cardinals to go 6-12 on third down, one for one on fourth down. Overall, Cody, it just was a terrible day for Houston. Eight penalties for 80 yards. Things like this is what we've been seeing the entirety of the year, right? And I would I would make a case that one of the strong suits that we were expecting, at least from David Cully and this coaching staff, that he didn't pick, but that was assembled to work for him, was the fact that it's experience in this coaching room, right? But they've had issues with penalties the entire year. They've had issues, excuse me, with being undisciplined and making errors the entire year, whether that error may be a penalty, whether that error may be miscommunication or uh, assignment issues. This has been their MO through seven games of the year. And now you wonder, which I'm alluding to a little bit of the conversations we'll have throughout the week, you know, what coaching staff, what member of this coaching staff has been the most disappointing? And, and let's have, let's, let's talk about it a little bit. Is it time for Tim Kelly to get fired? And I hate calling for a man's job. I know you have a family to feed. I get that. I'm not looking from a personal standpoint. I'm only looking to, I'm only looking at it from a professional, how the NFL works. And this guy has not really provided much for this offense outside of a couple of games. And yes, maybe I'm looking ahead, but you can look at the fact that you do have a rookie quarterback and maybe you don't trust him. We're also understanding the fact that last year, when you had Will Fuller, Brandon Cooks, you trusted your wide receiver core and you trusted your quarterback who was all pro had his, had his best season last year to stretch the ball, uh, stretch the offense and get the ball downfield. And you don't have that this year. I get that. But my rebuttal to that is, are you unlimited? This offense has not been able to do anything. They haven't scored a touchdown since the flea flicker since the New England Patriots. Uh, and, and that was to Chris Moore. They haven't scored a touchdown since then. They've combined for eight points in the last two games, averaging four points in the last two games. I don't know anybody else is going to survive in the league like this when the issue has been there the entire year. And I'm looking at this team. I'm looking at Davis Mills, who at one point was 10 of 11. He started out very efficient, right? But you end the game with a 27.7 QBR, or 79.6 passer rating. You're not going to win games like that. And once again, Philip Lindsay, two carries for eight yards. Mark Ingram, six carries for nine yards. His worst pr production of the year so far. And David Johnson, seven carries for 25 yards, combining for 42. What are What's going into the decision-making process of playing these players? Matt. And I think there was a couple of positivities. Excuse me, Cody. I thought Nico Nico Collins looked decent in his in his you know second game back, uh, but other than that, Houston is having a huge issue on the offensive side of the ball. 
I'm not going to say it's time to fire Tim Kelly, and I know that's a discussion that we're going to have a little bit later on in the week. But, John, just to piggyback off of you, I'm not going to agree with that statement because it doesn't matter if it's Tim Kelly. It doesn't matter if it's Bill Belichick. It doesn't matter if it's Vince Lombardi. Whoever is standing on the Texan sideline calling plays, calling the shots, they're going to be limited because you're not getting anything in a run game. And that offensive line ever since the New England Patriots game has been terrible, and that's part of the reason why this is a offense that has only scored eight points in the last two games because that offensive line was horrendous on yesterday and by the way going back into you know when talking about this organization when talking about the teams one of the biggest positives that we was talking about was how good this offensive line was going to look and that was offensive line with a healthy justin Britt, with a healthy laramie tunsil and a healthy marcus cannon all three of those guys are banged up and two out of those three guys of course i'm talking about tunsil and canning they are their season might be a wrap especially marcus canning and that is part of the reason why davis mills had the game that he had against the arizona cardinals because he had to hurry up and get rid of the ball quickly for the first time ever the houston Texans had an opportunity to see the disruption that jj watkin caused for an offensive line. And yes, I, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think he ended this game with a sack, but you can tell by the way him going out there, bulldozing through Gary on Christensen, bulldozing through Matt Sharpen and Charlie Heck. His presence opened the door for his teammates to record. I believe they ended the game with two or three sacks. And and it, it just made it a tough day for the offense. And look, you want to talk about the quarterback, Davis Mills, rookie quarterback. Yes, he has looked good at times. Yes, there was time throughout this game. He made some great decision. But at the end of the day, this is a young man that's not ready. And that's the unfortunate part about this conversation that you and I are having that a big portion of Tim Kelly's job is being affected by the health of Tyrod Taylor, by the health of an offensive line that I just mentioned that was supposed to be one of the best offensive lines in the league and it's putting him in a position where he's limited on offense because he does not have the weapons needed in order to go out there and give us the plays like we saw against the New England Patriots when they had that flea flicker touchdown which is what (laughs) their last touchdown over the last three games. Well, I'll put it like this, Cody. I'll say this. Yes, I agree with you on every statement. And I thought that there were times where Davis Mills looks good. I went through his progressions on a few plays, and I was very impressed. There were times where I was thinking to myself, get the ball out quicker. You know that they are coming after you. But the play calling was very predictable. How many times did they switch it up on the first down? Arizona was able to blitz on every first down on a run blitz. And, you know, that's why you only have 42 rushing yards. Like, these are the things I'm expecting as an OC that you'll be able to pick up on and move forward. I can't wait to continue this conversation about this offense and the rest of the uh, team. But I do want to tell you guys about DirecTV Stream. DirecTV Stream brings you live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. And there's no annual contract. Get your TV together at directtv.com. Compatible devices required. Content varies by package. 
And welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to this Monday installment of Locked On Texans as John and I continue to break down the Texans' 31-5 to defeat to the Arizona Cardinals. Yes, this is a team that is sitting at 1-6 with a six-game losing streak. You might as well say seven because on Sunday, um, they will return to the NRG Stadium, but they are going to be going up against the Los Angeles Rams. But, John, if there is anything that we could take away from this game any positives and that's the play of that front seven matter of fact more so the front four because that defensive line came to play on sunday this is a, a defensive line that recorded four sacks on Kyler murray and it's part of the reason why the cardinals came out and looked a little bit confused to start the game in their first three possessions this was the results of the Arizona Cardinals' first three offensive possession. Punt, punt, safety. <laughs> and a big portion of that came due to the pressure that that defensive line was creating. Now, I get it. These two guys that I'm about to talk about did not create a sack. But Charles Aminihu and Ross Blacklock, the return of both of those guys, you can really see the difference in that offensive line because it's almost oh, oh, similar. By the way. I, I hate to stop you, but who, by the way, where did Charles who play at? UT. Mm -hmm. Where did Ross Blacklock play at? TCU. Where did Kyler Murray play? <laughs> Oklahoma. That Big 12 connection showed yesterday, but I also think I'm not saying that for just collegiate reasons. I'm saying that, that they have some experience playing that guy, mm -hmm. right? And, and they kind of use that on Sunday. So I just had to say that. No, and, I, and I'm glad that you did, but the reason why I wanted to point those two guys out because their play on the defensive line was a little bit similar to what we saw from J.J. Watt for the Arizona Cardinals where their numbers do not tell the story of the impact that they had because there was multiple times where both Blacklock and the men who created an extra push, they actually had an opportunity to to create that gap space that was needed for guys like John Grenard and um, Jacob Martin. And I, I I can't remember who got the third sack. It wasn't Malik Collins because he had a really good spin on his sack. But going back to the other two guys that I was talking about, really said a lot about the impact. And once again, it shows part of the reason why I was a little bit irritated by the fact that the Texans kept giving Charles Amenahu two healthy scratching and by the way there was multiple times charles the who could have had a sack but unfortunately murray was able to get the ball out a little bit quicker in order to avoid the sack yeah Kyler murray one thing about him man he, he's very quick whether he's being elusive with his legs or just getting that ball out i will say this not only did they get those four sacks cody but this is why those sacks were important those four sacks, excuse me, as I'm looking it up right now just to get the confirmation, ladies and gentlemen, but those four sacks caused a complete loss of 36 yards, right? And Kyler Murray didn't have the best day. Like, he had 48.2 QBR, but those four sacks were sacks that really pushed the offense back, right? And so that helped. Jonathan Gennard has had six sacks so far this year. And let's remember, he was not getting the playing time and snaps to start the year off. And I, I'm glad we were able to mention Charles Omenihu because, you know, whether his numbers show up on the stat sheet or not, I think he did have an effect on yesterday's game. 
you know, plain and simple. Having the return of Ross Blacklock, the athletic big that can play that three technique. What I like about it the most is, okay, Whitney Merciless is gone. He signed with the Packers, and we understand that this Houston team is dedicated right now to getting the young guys on the field. Jonathan Gennard has really played himself into being one of those players that would be a quote-unquote untouchable because you're seeing what he can do. He reminds me a lot of Merciless. Doesn't have all the moves in the world. Doesn't have flat-out strength, you know, as of right now. But his motor is what really outworking other guys on the opposite side of the ball and allowed him to get to that quarterback. Two sacks on yesterday, six on the year. I love it. And I also like the play of who played, played in front of his hometown, Roy Lopez. You know, of course, we saw Houston was able to uh, give up 140-plus yards on the ground. But how Houston played the run in the f- first half really speaks to how they how good they can be. I think overall, when your offense is not sustaining drives and you're out there as a defense more times than not, then, yeah, you're going to get tired and gas. Now, the problem is, if I can kind of transition over a little bit, is multiple times Arizona found themselves in third and 10 alone. Right, they had a third and 24 and a third and 15. They were able, Houston was able to kind of back them up on a lot of drives. The issue is, we hinted at this last week, we talked about it for Brandon K. Scott, and this is something that I want to expand on a little bit more. But this cover two zone defense is outdated, right? And maybe it worked 15 years ago, a decade ago, because quarterbacks maybe were not coming into the league as ready as they are now but that's an issue when you're able to kind of just sit back there and pick apart those zones on top of that you're having this communication error Falani Johnson who did have an interception making his third interception of the year you know his issue is he's able to make plays but he's giving up way more than he's able to make right and I think that's due to the fact that maybe that whatever they're teaching him or he's just not connecting the dots right now just coming to the defense and linebackers are not getting back further enough so there's a, a, a piece of the field between the middle between the linebacker and the safety that the wide receivers are able to find now today was a better showing because I thought that they got better pressure up front which is something that Lovey Smith needs in the cover two defense that's why he succeeded for Chicago he was able to get after the quarterback with four down defensive linemen. But the communication errors has been horrendous so far this season. And I just think overall, it's outdated. And John, to piggyback off your statement talking about the Texans secondary, that was by far the most frustrating part of the Texans' performance on yesterday. Because, yes, look, in my eyes, the worst performance was that offensive line, but the most frustrating performance was the secondary. And maybe you and Brandon K. Scott are correct that a portion of the Texans' issues with the secondary is by the fact that that Tampa 2 defense, those coverages that Lovey Smith is throwing out there, maybe it's because it's a little bit outdated. But what I would say is this. There have been too many times where the Texans gave up 
blown coverages that resulted in giving up big plays. By the way, going back to last week's game and the loss against the Indianapolis Colts, the Texans secondary has given up a total of six plays where the opposing quarterback connected with their target for 20 or more yards. And one of the most frustrating plays took place on yesterday when the defensive line had sent an extreme amount of pressure on Colin Murray and Murray was scrambling in the pocket looking for a target. The Texans secondary, their zone defense allowed DeAndre Hopkins out of all people to be wide open and of course Murray and D-Hop connected on what I believe was like a 17-yard completion. And by the way, John, the listeners, this game to me was a wasted opportunity for the Texans front four because the defensive line held their own against the Cardinals. The secondary did not. Speaking to the Texan fans, it's me right now telling you what an incredible app for everyone who buys gas needs to know about. Get upside. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code for touchdown for NFL or baseball for MLB or hockey for NHL and get a bonus 25 cent per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to 50 cent cash back just for using Get Upside. Again, just download the app for free and use promo code touchdown for NFL or baseball for MLB or hockey for NHL. Did you know Bill Bar has so many delicious flavors and there's something for everyone? If you didn't know about the Bilt Bar flavors, you're missing out on flavors like the coconut, the raspberry, the cookies and cream, the German chocolate, and they also got the limited time flavors as well. From 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only four to five grams of sugar, and only four to five grams of net carbs. Not only are Bilt Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy too. So order today and get whatever flavor you like. Bilt Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Go to billboard.com and use promo code locked on for your 15% off. Use promo code locked on for 15% off at Billboard. Thanks for making Locked On Texas your first listen every day. Later in the week, we will discuss the personnel and coaching staff issues, and maybe it's time to move on from coaches. Now make your second listen the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson give you the expert NFL analysis in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available on all platforms. And before we close out this latest installment of Locked On Texans, of course, we just want to revisit the offense just a little bit. And John, outside of our conversation that we talked about in the first segment about how bad the offensive line looked, J.J. Watt basically just having his way with that offensive line, creating opportunities for not only himself but for his teammates, there's nothing else that you can add to this offense that's already been talked about the run game was of course terrible as always as a matter of fact i think this might have been the worst the run game has looked so far this season um especially considering that david johnson was the lead man with 25 yards on seven carries uh mark ingram only recorded nine yards on six carries and of course we you already touched on the philip Lindsay side of things and once again i don't understand why david cully tim kelly and the rest of his coaching staff continues to have 
Scotty Phillip as a healthy scratch every single game because at this point he cannot do no worse than the three than the production that you are getting out of the three running backs. I, I really don't want to touch on the receiving core too much outside the fact that Nico Collins did have a couple, and I do mean a couple um night nice catches to kind of put the Texans in a groove, but of course it's hard to talk about the Texans receiving core because the play from Davis Mills was subpar at best. And it's hard to talk about Davis Mills performance because once again, he is showing that he is a quarterback who is not ready to play football on the NFL level. But at the same time, it's hard for him to get into a groove when the offensive line was atrocious throughout that game on yesterday. So it's it's not really much more that we can add to this offense, but John, the one thing I would say, going back to your point about whether or not we should fire, well, whether or not the Texans should fire Tim Kelly, I would say that once again, for the third time in three weeks, he needs to utilize this tight end core just a little bit more. And it showed because part of the, offensive drives where it looked like the Texans were starting to get in the groove it was because they were utilizing Pharaoh Brown in the passing game it was because they were utilizing Jordan Aikens in the passing game and I understood I understood it they needed those two guys even more so to help with the blocking up front but for the third consecutive time they have to use their tight ends in the passing game, especially considering that Davis Mills is at his best when he is completing those passes to those short intermediate routes. Davis Mills did show me some progression in this game. And one thing that I had been calling for him that I wanted to see personally was just going through his reads and going through progressions. And he was able to do that at different times of the game. And so I'm not going to kind of lay on him right now. I'm looking at this offensive line and I'm going to say this. I'm moonwalking my statement. I don't think this would be Titus Howard's Pro Bowl year. And I think the experiment of him having him being a left guard over every else on this team, it's over. Max Trubin also played so bad that Justin Britt, I believe, replaced him. At some point throughout that game, he got placed. That's how bad he played. And when we look at Houston's needs, whether it be quarterback, whether it be a running back, you know, there's no way they're going to come out of next year's draft without drafting the guard. They've been terrible in the interior offensive line. And there's times where Titus Howard just doesn't look engaged to play football whatsoever out on that field. And so I'm looking at a Davis Mills who maybe didn't have enough time to do much more. Maybe that Tim Kelly didn't put him in a better position by switching up the play calling, going against some of those blitzes when Arizona was sending them, right? But overall, with only two of those sacks that was recorded, there was more time when he got hit in the face. And to piggyback off your statement about Titus Howard, I've actually been told that he has been frustrated playing left guard. He wants to go back to the right side of that offensive line, but is not sure whether or not he's going to have an opportunity to do so. So once again, John, it looks like there is another veteran Texan who is starting to get frustrated with this organization. I'm Cody Davis, and this has been another installment of Locked On Texans, the daily podcast covering your favorite football team in the Houston Texans every single day. As always, please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y, D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace.
are Locked On Texans, your daily podcast on the Houston Texans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.